We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual-threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv an unmatched dual threat. Justin, I got a feeling. What is that feeling? I mean, it's been a long time. Um, COVID is (laughs) COVID is in existence, and it might be a long time until we are actually able to. I'll I'll turn it off now. But (laughs) might be a long time until we are at the peak again and get to listen to that in person. You know, I I remember the peak having a better sound system than uh, what we just listened to. Jacob's not here. I don't have his awesome soundboard. I have to use my, uh, you know, my janky uh, sounders. It gets the job done. But it gets the job done. That's exactly right. I got the feeling, you know. You got the feeling. Exactly. Tonight's going to be a good night. (laughs) This might be like our best cold open ever. Um, (laughs) So one of these days when we're back in the peak, and if we were there tonight, because the Thunder would have been back home tonight Mm, at Chesapeake Arena, 
they would have played, I got a feeling, after the Oklahoma City Thunder beat the Houston Rockets 119-107 to in Game 3 of the playoffs. It, I hate saying the term must must win, and we'll jump into that here in a second, um, but it certainly was a, a huge win, especially because they pulled that off in overtime. Now, before we get any further, uh, I kind of, you know, as always, took us down a rabbit hole, uh, but you guys are listening to the Young Contested Post Game Podcast. Um, we are part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, and we are also the official podcast of Boomtown Hoops. We have some awesome sponsors that we're excited to tell you guys about, so be sure to uh, stay tuned, and we'll be sure to uh, to let you guys know about those sponsors. But Justin, like we talked about, what a win. I mean, just what before, a win. before we jump into anything, I just wanted to get your initial thoughts. Give me uh, how you're feeling. Um, talk to me about that emotional roller coaster of your emotions <laughs> throughout the entire game. How are we feeling? And before I get any further, we are. Uh, I have Justin Peabody with us at Hi. OKC Tracker. Howdy! Awesome graphics. He's been killing it this postseason. We're very thankful for that. So, Justin, I'm just talk glad to, to finally get to use those graphics, I considering I made them in like March. <laughs> I was going to um, say, yeah, it's been a fair. long time coming. <laughs> you know what else got me sad? I was going through the graphics that I made, and I found the graphic that was supposed to be for the announcement of our game one watch party at the Prairie OKC Tap Room. Oh, no. I and know. I got really sad. We were really so excited sad. about that. Yeah. Cause we haven't that even announced that fun. yet to our followers or anything. Like, that was... We, we yeah. never announced it. I think we were just about to announce it when COVID hit. <laughs> and here we are. So, anyway, we can pretend uh, that we were all drinking beers at Prairie and watching the game tonight. Have a uh, virtual happy hour, right? It was awesome. <laughs> uh, Thunder... Looked like they finally cracked the code a little bit against Houston. They were getting really frustrated by this switching defense that Houston has been playing. And I felt like tonight, for the first time in the series, they actually were able to to find some cracks in the armor and were able to find some offensive production and look a little bit more like the team that we watched all season and less like the team that we saw in the first two games of the series. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and I mean, I, I went through such a range of emotions here, right? Be, like, yeah, I was just so right. incredibly frustrated. It was a classic Thunder playoff game. Exactly. Yes. Yes. I mean, I was <laughs> so incredibly frustrated, um, for the first like quarter and a half. Yeah. Right, honestly, Rough the first start. two quarters even, because yeah. I think it was like, there was a nice run there to start the second quarter. And then the end of the second quarter was not fantastic. They didn't close out the half. Well, letting Harden get some easy buckets was not ideal. And it's just like, you know, what is Billy doing? You know, why are these guys not showing up? Shooter's unplayable. Why is Nerlens <laughs> Noel in there? And in the second half, I mean, they they absolutely knew, like, it's it's time to turn it on or our season's over. And um, it absolutely looked like a team whose backs, backs were against the wall. They came out in that first half kind of stagnant, almost a little anxious. And then I think yeah. in that second half, they really just they played their game right um obviously yeah. it's a little it, it's not quote-unquote their game because houston's forced them to play a different kind of game because of that switch that switchable defense that versatility yeah. on the defensive end but they were like you like you mentioned to start off the podcast i mean they were able to kind of crack that code and uh, when they did so it, it led to some of the shots that they're used to seeing and they just gained confidence and that just yep. almost a snowball effect into the over uh, overtime period. The end of the game was really it felt like a, you know, a combination of Oklahoma City being in rhythm, showing their their skill at those late game, close game clutch situations and Houston like crap in the bed, 
Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> like, throwing the ball away on the inbounds. Like, there, it was kind of a comedy of errors for Houston, combined with Oklahoma City being on top of things that really forced that game into overtime. And if any of those plays hadn't happened, Oklahoma City's not sitting here victorious. Uh, but they did, thankfully. Right, <laughs> thankfully, no, I, they did. Yeah, no, and I think that's a great point. You know, um, sure, the the ball has to kind of bounce your way in a sense, and it certainly has in Houston's um, in, in Houston's sense because we've seen guys like Jeff Green turn to Kevin Durant, like I tweeted during this game, <laughs> right. right? And we've had uh, Eric Gordon be the best. Like me and Jacob talked about this in our um, our whatever you call it. Wow, I just went blank. Periscope or half right. Periscope. But I mean, if you told me that James Harden was arguably the second, maybe third best, best player on Houston's team throughout the first three games of the uh, series, I would have told you you were absolutely absurd. But I would have told you that's the reasonable. would be up 3-0. I mean, you're like, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, Houston's so, role players have been insane, especially, like you mentioned, Gordon and Green, unbelievable. And even tonight, they were uh, pretty darn good. Yeah, Gordon, right. 2 of 10 from 3, not great. But outside of that, so good. And really outplayed Oklahoma City's bench throughout the three games thus far. But tonight it was, it was that three headed monster that for so much of the season has been Oklahoma city strength that I felt like carried them tonight though. Dennis Schroeder, what a weird game for him. Exactly. Cause I was going to mention that when you brought up the three headed monster, right? That's obviously the three point card lineup. Um, they were the most efficient, uh, clutch lineup in the league. Yep. When you play those three together with Gallo and Steven Adams, um, but it, it was it has not been working during this series, and nope. even in the first half, I mean, Shooter really, really struggled. And uh, it, it, like, I, I can't believe he was the leading scorer still right. for That's the Thunder. That's what's bizarre is like his numbers are good. You look right. at the stat sheet, and it's good. And even the ESPN broadcast, like Doris Burks giving him a bunch of praise throughout the game. But he was ten of twenty three. I just kept sitting That's there thinking, like, great. Shooter's playing like an idiot. Like for for most of the night, he's making bad decisions. He's jacking shots he had no business making. Now, occasionally, you know, he had some big buckets, big three-pointer. He had a nice drive to the basket. But for the most part, I felt like his decision-making was not great and probably like the worst 29-point game that I've ever seen. <laughs> and that, that <laughs> Which feels weird to absolute, say. But. No, but, but it horrified me. Like, Dennis Schroeder, like, heading into halftime, Dennis Schroeder's the leading scorer, but he has not played a good game. Um, you know, Jacob and I have talked about this a lot, especially over the past week, how when Dennis isn't playing his game, isn't getting to his yeah. shots, when he doesn't have that actual center or, like, actual, you know, quote-unquote power forward coming to switch uh, yeah. onto him in the pick-and-roll, right? Like, He's able to take advantage of those matchups, but not against Houston, who has versatile wings. Yep. Uh, the same player, basically, between Robert Covington or Eric Gordon or whoever it is switching on to him. Um, but it, so he's really struggled because of that with Houston. However, tonight, you know, he was able to be more assertive and kind of get to his spots. And that was huge for his team. But anyway, sorry, what I was getting to was like when he's leading score at halftime, that worried me a lot because he yep. still kind of felt like what Jacob and I have talked about being a ball stopper. And yeah. Um, However, I, that changed in the second half. So I think that's a really good transition here, uh, Justin, is I think this is a game of adjustments. Yeah. Um, and the majority of the game, maybe in the first, like, two and a half quarters, I kind of felt like Billy was not making the correct adjustments. <laughs> yeah. And it did not feel great. The first great. two and a half games. So the first question <laughs> I want to ask you, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Right. It, it felt, it, that's exactly what it felt like. It felt like the same. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, yeah. we might as well start 
talking about you know tanking for next season uh let's start looking at draft picks because this is not looking good <laughs> right so the first question i want to ask you is what did okc not do to start the game which is essentially like you just kind of alluded to the same stuff that they were not doing in games yeah. one and two well the offense man the offense has been so frustrating because of that houston defense it's been so effective and disruptive for what oklahoma city likes to do and that's you know work in the pick and roll get the mismatches and exploit those you mentioned schroeder but cp3 lives off that as well as we've seen all year and oklahoma city really hasn't found a way to adjust to that i thought tonight they finally started to do something that Jacob and I talked about on the game two post game pod, which is penetrate to shake up the defense and then kick out for open threes. You saw it, the the first play that comes to mind is the one, the shot from Shea to give Oklahoma city the lead right at the very end of the game. Chris Paul drove the lane or in drew in. Yep. Drew in. Yeah. At, at the end, end of regulation. Thanks. Um, drew in Daniel house into the lane came off of Shea CP three threw a perfect pass to Shea in the corner who hit the three. That's the type of stuff they need more of. They need more um, penetrating from the point guard from the ball handler and then more off ball movement. It's just so much stagnant offense of like ISO ball. And then the other four guys stand there and it's so frustrating. And I thought as the game went on, they started to do a better job of that, but I still think they could do better particularly in the off-ball movement moving forward. And just to start the game in general, um, I actually mentioned this tweet um, when Jake and I were doing the uh, Periscope at halftime. Yeah. But um, we had Salman on, right, to do our our, our pre-series preview, I guess. And he covers the Houston Rockets, um, also part of the Blue Wire family. And I've really enjoyed watching him, kind of seeing his reactions throughout this series because they've been pretty spot on. Yeah, really and good. And he really um, kind of nailed what I was feeling throughout that first quarter and a half. He actually tweeted out, he said, um, I've never seen a team look so thoroughly unprepared to attack a switching defense. <laughs> but <laughs> right. the dagger comes at the end. He says, it goes beyond personnel. And that's kind of how I felt throughout that first yeah. like quarter, or sorry, two, two and a half quarters was like it goes beyond personnel, right? Billy is not making the appropriate appropriate adjustments. Even though I love Billy and the job that he's done this season, um, he has really struggled. I mean, why are you playing Nerlens Noel against this team, right? Um, Dude. He, he's played terrible in that first, oh, first half. And late in the game. It, right, yeah. Exactly. Like, he's still down the, the stretch, all of a sudden Nerlens was in there, and I was like, what are you doing? Exactly. <laughs> okay, exactly. it's good. We finally got Steven Adams out, and we have an opportunity to go full small ball, and then all of a sudden Nerlens like, is eh, out there. Nope, we're going to throw in uh, Nerlens, oh. like, who hasn't played well all, se- all series, which in his defense, <laughs> it's just it's not a good matchup. It's not a good matchup for Nerlens. No. And so um, all of that to say, I just I was really concerned early on. Yeah. Um, but one thing that was really optimistic – to me, and something that we'll get into is that at the end of the game, they did finally go with that small ball lineup yeah. in, the, in overtime, and it worked. And um, some of that had to do, like you said, Justin, it, it with uh, Stevens' injury, right? Yeah. Right. But Billy had a quote post game saying that no, Steven was actually uh, available to come back into the yeah. game, but we th- that group was playing so well, I just wanted to keep them in there. That so, was interesting because so let's hope that. <laughs> Yeah, that I mean, that's not how it was reported as the game was going on. It was reported as he's not coming. He's not available to return. So Billy saying that it's interesting. Um, I think that's the thing with Billy. Sometimes it's like he's not uh, immune to making the right adjustments. I just think he takes a lot longer to get there than the fans want. 
uh, and I think you saw a little bit of that tonight. At least he did it tonight and didn't wait for them to lose and be down 3-0 before he made that right. adjustment. But I think seeing that smaller lineup is something that, I mean, fans on Twitter, which, you know, who knows what fans on Twitter want most of the time, but they've been clamoring for that for at least a whole game, and we finally got to see it. And I think, to your point, Taylor, I think it was pretty darn successful. Right. And to your point, Justin, uh, something that you said earlier, um, this is something that we have talked about in the first after the first two games, I should say. But it seemed like the Billy was trying to get a feel for the lineups and just really struggled yeah. there. He was still playing Hamdou Diallo, yeah. Adel Nader, Mike Muscala. Right. But tonight he only played playing eight so guys. Yeah. He played the, the starting five, and he played Darius Baisley, Nerlens Noel, and Dennis Schroeder. Yeah, that's a he big difference. He did not difference. play any of those other guys, which is perfect. The issue is I think you probably have to, like you said, you have to go smaller with their Gallo or Baisley at the center, uh, which we saw being really successful. Yeah. Um, but with all that to say, I think it's another good transition. So, you know, we, we've been talking a little bit about this, Justin, but what did they do during this game? Whether that was, you know, towards the end of the first quarter and the, uh, sorry, the end of the first quarter and the beginning of the second quarter when they yeah. kind of had that run yeah. and then obviously into the fourth and then into overtime. What did they do that really worked? What do you think? Yeah. Was it Billy? Was it the team in general? What happened? One small thing is I feel like Shea's confidence coming off of game two just started higher. It seemed like he finally uh, had the mindset that he can be more aggressive and attack this team. He seemed really timid in the first game, and he still seemed that way at times tonight. But it seemed like he, he finally had the realization that he can be aggressive and he can take these guys to the basket. And he can get to the rim, and whether he gets fouled or whether he's able to put in a layup or whether that leads to a kickout, either way, it's a good outcome. And I think that was a big change for me for SGA. But I also want to highlight um, a great question on the Discord, the Boomtown Hoots Discord from our guy Iku. He always has really good observations. I really Absolutely. appreciate him yep. sending in these questions. Uh, one adjustment that he pointed out was that the guards were getting screens way higher, almost near half court, than they have been previously, which allowed them to get momentum going downhill to the basket, which they didn't do in the last two games. So he wants to know, what do we think of that adjustment, and do you think we'll see it going forward? So what do you think about that, Taylor? Uh, again, that's a fantastic question. and I, I don't know this exactly, but uh, EQ posted a video a, a couple of days ago in the Discord uh, breaking down some film, and I almost wonder if that's him. And if if nice. so, Iku's actually like like a coach or somebody, and uh, maybe maybe he can give us a little insight on that. I like if it. he's comfortable doing so. But we love his, <laughs> like you said, we love his insight, love his questions, and I think that's huge because what that does is that brings the def- the other uh, well both defenders right. You have uh, the defender guarding the the ball handler, and then you have the defender that's um, tacking along guarding the the whoever's setting the pick, so yeah. the big man. And that just creates more space. So when you have yep. somebody as quick and as explosive as Chris Paul, or sorry, as quick as Chris Paul, somebody as explosive and quick as Dennis Shooter, or somebody who just has such long and powerful strides as strides as SGA and have that uh, yep. powerful first step, that throws your whole entire defense off. Where if you do that at the top of the key, that gives the defenders more time to adjust and uh, and to be able to cover. Yeah, right, and so more, I, I, more options for the help defense too. Yeah, ex- right, it, absolutely. So I, I love what Iku said there. I think that's really yep. important, um, making sure that that pick comes higher than the top of the key because that just 
then you can kick it out to a, somebody on the wing, and then you can start swinging the ball and moving the defenders and, and getting them a it's ball movement. I mean, we talked about this. The first two games, there was no off-ball movement. There was no ball movement in general. It was kind of your turn, my turn. And what yeah. really scared me about this game, Justin, is that it kind of felt like the first quarter quarter and a half that's kind of what we saw it was like yeah, okay, Dennis Schroeder's right. in now and it's like okay he's making things happen but it's all on iso ball um so I think it's a really great question for me too because I think that was critical and kind of helping free up the offense some yep and I think that the the second part of his question about do we see it more going forward uh I sure hope so uh I it seemed like something that like you mentioned opened up the floor gave them more spacing I think allowed those three-point guards who have been so good all season at exploiting matchups while they may not be able to you know get a big on an island at the top of the key it allows them to use their skills whether it's speed whether it's craftiness whether it's strides whatever it is it allows them to use that attribute instead of you know coming around a screen and just being kind of met with a wall of Rockets jerseys, which is what it's looked like in the first two games, pretty much. Right. Absolutely. And just kind of to this point, um, what worked, uh, one thing that I noticed, Justin, I'm curious to kind of get your point on this before we move on, but it seemed like, especially the first two games, and even throughout the entirety of the bubble, Gallo has not been able to hit his outside shots quite as efficiently as he yeah. was, you know, earlier in the season before the hiatus. Yep. And uh, he was able to do other things because he's such a great offensive player. He's driving to the rim. Uh, for example, tonight he had eight free throws because he was able to draw so many fouls. He's able to score in other ways. But if this team is going to beat the Houston Rockets, they need Gallo hitting outside shots. And thankfully, he was kind of able to get that going. Still, he was only four of 11 from three, which is not fantastic. But the fact that he's taking those three-point shots again, and he was able to make four of those, I mean, a couple of those really sparked some Thunder runs. Yep. So what are your thoughts on Gallo? And just after he hit those shots, it kind of seemed like this the force was a little more open for some of these point guards. Yeah, I agree. He's not shot the ball great in this series. Uh, it looks like between the two games, he's shooting 33 or sorry 37.5 percent from behind the arc compared to if you look at his uh total games in the bubble he's shooting 43.8 percent from behind the arc which is above his season average um so he has it we just haven't seen it in this series he definitely needs to find his stroke i think some of that has to do with the amount of open looks the switching that Houston does cuts down on the open looks that Gallo has been able to get. And so doing the things like we talked about earlier of, you know, driving and sucking a defender into the lane and allowing a, a kick out to Gallo, getting him a little bit of space is going to allow him to get more uncontested looks, uh, plug the name of the podcast there, <laughs> right, there uh, you get go. more Boom. uncontested looks. <laughs> And that's going to obviously be a higher percentage shot for him. Well, and you're exactly right. And that goes to what we mentioned, uh, Salmon, you know, what he tweeted Mm -hmm. about being able to, how do you attack those kinds of defenses? Yep. You're spot on. Just what you said. You got to be able to penetrate, dish open to, or dish to open shooters. And those guys have to be able to knock down shots or just create offense in general, whether that's cutting through the rim and whatever it may be. So Justin, uh, last question I have for you here before we move on. We saw some huge adjustments there, uh, especially in the second half, that really seemed to work. Yeah. But what do the Thunder need to do, and what do they need to continue to do moving forward to make sure that they're able to win this next game and even up the series, and maybe even win the series you know, even further further on? They need to match Lou Dort's minutes with James Harden. 
That's huge. Yep. That is something Jacob and I talked about on the last post game pod, and we came closer tonight. Um, but I think, I mean, Lou has been a game changer on Harden. He is one of the only players in the NBA who can say that he has shut down James Harden. The last three games against Harden have been some of Harden's worst shooting games from behind the arc that he's had all season long. And it's just, it's so crazy. The effect that Lou Dort has when he's on the floor, I, I, I kind of downplayed his absence in game one of like, okay, I don't think Lou Dort makes (laughs) that big of a difference. He's really good, but like the Thunder defense was terrible in that first game. But seeing him on the court these last two games, I'm starting to walk that back a bit. He might be that good. And, you know, there were a couple instances where Doris Burke called it out on the broadcast where Lou Dort had Harden locked up and then somebody got tricked into getting involved. There was one time where it was Noel coming over, tried to block a shot, but he didn't need to do that because Lou Dort had it on lockdown. So Nerlens comes over and tries to block the shot and gets called for a foul. And I think that moving forward, like, let Lou lock down Harden. As crazy as that sounds, you know, as, as many it's crazy working. things as teams in the NBA have tried to do to stop James Harden, I think one of the most effective <laughs> answers is just put Lou Dort all over him. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I agree with you completely. Lou Dort was, tw- uh, or sorry, I think Dort specifically was trending on Twitter after the game. So I yes. think you're pretty spot on there. I love I, the explosion in like national NBA writers jumping on the, the Lou Dort puns. Like, come on, baby. <laughs> the Lou Tang train. We're the conductors over here. That's right. Uh, I guess Lou Tang. It wasn't in the, uh, the intro because it was our post-game intro, but our normal intro. This is Lou Dort, and you're listening to the uncontested, the uncontested like, broadcast. We we, we cut well, out that last. We part. cut out that part. Shout out Lou <laughs> for calling us the uncontested broadcast. I just I, I find it so incredible <laughs> what he's been able to do, though. Just like you said, and I think uh, two things really important is uh, pushing the pace, right? Yeah, the Thunder were able to push the pace in the second half, and that was critical. And that's not something like super like groundbreaking. Right, we, we we talked about this a lot in the first two games. Something well, to and on. the Thunder themselves talked about it. They said they right. needed to push the pace more, but I feel like tonight was kind of the first time that they that we actually saw succeeded. But what happened was it opened up some of those shots that these guys are used to getting. It opens up those yeah. mid-range shots for CP3, Schroeder, Shea, and what we saw was success because they were able to kind of feel like themselves again. And so we are pushing that pace against a team like the Rockets. I think that's huge, especially yep. when they don't have a lot of subs to, to fill in uh, when they have tired legs. I mean, that's when you can really take advantage of that. And then I think the other thing um, is, is you, well, we talked about Gallo, but just the, the small ball lineup, I think that Billy yeah. has to continue to lean on that. Maybe not critically. I mean, I'm not asking for Steven to, to be hurt and not be able to play at all in this series. Steven played some critical minutes in tonight's game. But I think instead of going to Nerlens, or maybe even instead of going to Muskie, you play that small ball lineup, uh, whether it's a Gallo or whether it's Baisley at center. I think that's huge. And shoot, you can even go like kind of a hybrid lineup where you have both Gallo and Baisley in there at the same time to kind of give you a little more length, yeah. a little more rebounding ability. So we actually had a, a question from another fellow Blue Wire Pods host, Ty Windish, uh, host of the Eurostep podcast for the Milwaukee Bucks, who asked us, should OKC go small for most of the minutes against Houston. Taylor, it sounds like you're saying yes. 
Oh, that's see, that's tough. Because the I'm word like, most is tricky. Exactly, that's what's so tricky about it because you don't want to completely take Stephen out of the game. Like, oh, you know, Stephen has a knee contusion. Oh, great, now we can finally play small ball. But like, <laughs> I I don't know if you want to go with it for the majority of the game because there are certain advantages that Stephen brings. But for example, in the first half when Stephen's in there um, and you're still getting out rebounded by the Houston Rockets, right. then you that's absolutely the need right, right, and. And I, I think to a lot of people's points, I've heard other Thunder analysts talk about this and just us in general on this podcast, you you need offense, but you don't want to take away what Lou Dort brings his one-on-one defense yeah. against Harden. So if yeah. Harden's in there, you got to find you, you can't take Lou Dort out for the three-point guard lineup because you need that defense. So you have to find offense somewhere else. And I think that small ball, small ball lineup is where you get it because if you have, you know, mm. for example, uh, the three-point guard lineup, Lou Dort, uh, playing against Harden on defense, and then you throw in like a Gallo or a Baisley, like we talked about, that gives you way more versatility on yeah. both ends of the floor. So I would say yes, you probably do have to go with that. For I'd like to see it much more than Billy went to it today, for example. I agree, and I think it's promising hearing Billy say that that was his choice. It wasn't solely because Adams wasn't available to return because of injury. That gives me hope that maybe he saw the light a little bit. Yeah, we'll right, start to right. see it more. I I jokingly tweeted that it, it was starting to feel a little bit like uh, the 2012 finals with Scott Brooks yes. being insistent about playing Kendrick Perkins exactly instead of Serge Ibaka. Yeah, and, you're absolutely yeah. right. And so there there are some shades of that for me. I was having a little flashback moment, but I think moving forward, absolutely, let's see the small ball lineup more. You know, if it stops working, then bring Steven back out and try it. Try try exactly. that again. See if it helps. I don't think you have to like totally sell out and change who you are as a team, but I think pff, the results are hard to argue with. Just look at the overtime numbers from tonight. Uh, Oklahoma City outscored Houston in overtime, fifteen to three. That's huge. Now, That's granted, huge. James Harden was out for almost all of that, but and that it, most certainly probably has an effect. But outside of that, ah, it's hard to argue with. But if Lou Dort's not playing this game, James Harden doesn't foul out, right? So it's kind True. of a double-edged yeah. sword. Uh, but to your point, Justin, I think that comment by Billy was key because it, it showed two things. One, Stephen isn't is a quote unquote, I mean, knock on wood, he is not uh, severely injured, so hopefully he'll be available on Monday. And yeah. two... Billy realized that that small ball was working, and so a small ball lineup is working. So we're going to hope that he continues to uh, to use that. Yep. But Justin, if you're Lou Dort and you're playing that many minutes against James Harden on a sore knee, nevertheless, tell us about what product that Lou could use that could kind of help him with that soreness. <laughs> well, Taylor, from tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging, locking down James Harden, or simply making it through each busy day. Everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore. So everyone, including Lou Dort, can benefit from TheraOne's CBD products. Started by Dr. Jason Worsland, TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help soothe your body and relax your mind. It started with the revolutionary Theragun percussive therapy device when Dr. Jason saw the benefits of using CBD in his treatments. He created TheraOne to bring you CBD products done right. A lot of CBD products claim organic but still contain up to 30% filler, and these fillers are potentially toxic. 
TheraOne tests their products four times before they get to you. Every product is USDA certified organic, grown in the U.S., and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere. Use TheraOne's warming lotion in your morning routine, the cooling lotion or massage oil to recover, body balm for targeted relief, and sleep tincture to drift into a deep night's sleep. And now, through Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, TheraOne is offering our listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products. But you've got to go to theragun.com slash bluewire. If you don't love what you get from Theragun, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something TheraOne is likely to do again. Buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash bluewire, but only until Labor Day. So go right now to theragun.com slash bluewire. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL, and so is Patrick Mahomes and the Super Bowl's champs, the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay, maybe that part wasn't a part of this ad read, but I had to add it in there as a Chiefs fan. But with NFLSundayTicket.tv, you guys can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV, Fantasy Zone channels. You'll never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. So Justin, like we said, uh, a very exciting second half to really, I mean, just give this Thunder team some hope and give this series some hope, uh, make this a, a competitive series. But I feel like there was uh, quite a few players had a huge hand on this game. But in your opinion, who was the, the biggest impact player? Who was the, the guy who really uh, was kind of behind, or the, the, maybe had the, the biggest um, hand behind this huge win? I was gonna say I was trying to like to <laughs> trying to describe that. I was like, uh, but who do you think had we the biggest impact? We yeah, got right. <laughs> um, this one is tough because there's a lot of people that I could give it to. I think Lou Dort is very deserving, and like you mentioned earlier, Dort was trending on Twitter, so he is very deserving of this. But I'm gonna swerve and go with Chris Paul. There you go. And the reason I'm going with Chris Paul is because of the contrast to the last two games. He was so bad in the first two games, especially game two, the, the minus 32, uh, to bounce back from that with a team high, uh, plus 15. Game, game high plus 15, 26 points, uh, six rebounds, five assists. I think that he finally showed up to the series, <laughs> which is what the thunder needed. Exactly. And then you also know that behind the scenes, what Chris Paul has done for this team all season in terms of veteran leadership, that was probably really needed for a team that was down O2 in the playoffs. I think some of these young guys like a Baisley, even an SGA, a Dort guys that haven't experienced this before probably would have been easy to come out pretty flat. So I think CP three probably had a hand in that. Cause he's seen it before. Now, granted, he's been bounced a fair number of times in the playoffs, um, but I think that having that experience there, uh, taking it one game at a time, focusing on what you can control, I think that was pretty evident throughout the team, top to bottom. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, something that really stood out to me was some of, uh, like you said, Chris has really struggled, and something he actually mentioned is like, yeah, you know, I've been giving my teammates some um, as much 
advice as I can for the playoffs. But when it comes down to it, this is a new experience for me also. And so we kind of saw yeah. him try to adjust to that. However, tonight, I think the biggest thing that stood out to me is we saw Clutch Ball again. Right, We saw yes. him just really step up with some huge shots at the end of the fourth quarter and into overtime. And that's the reason that the Thunder were able to uh, close this one out. And just on top of that, I think just his intensity that he brings, especially when he really gets it going, both on the offensive side and the defensive side, is critical for this team's success. He really sets the tone. So to see what he was able to do there, especially in the second half, and like I said, into the fourth quarter and overtime, was critical for this team so i think you're exactly right there um somebody else i would I, that i will go ahead and mention just because mm-hmm. i was really harsh on him is in a shooter yeah uh, there you go because i mean he's the leading scorer and you you have to point this out again he's a ball stopper at certain points and he still continued to struggle with the fact that he was 10 and 23 from the floor um he was only two of 10 from three which is terrible i don't want him taking t- 10 three-point shots but he kind right. of you know, it, it, he he had this quote right, and I said that uh, if if the Thunder ended up winning the series, that we would make shirts for this. But he talked about you know we got to get our swagger back. Yes. Well, it seemed like and towards the end again, towards the end of the second half, towards the uh, or sorry, towards the end of the second half and towards the end of the second half into the fourth quarter in overtime, Dennis Schroeder, Chris Paul, this entire yep. Thunder team. They found their swagger. They got their swagger back, right, Justin? Looks more familiar. I yep. think I got my swagger back. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so I, just because of that, you know, and he also had five assists, five rebounds. Um, I think that was huge for this team. When you have your, And I, I do commend uh, Billy sticking with that lineup. and, and, and Or sorry, not that lineup, but sticking with Shooter. Not just taking him out for Lou Dort, but finding a way yep. to incorporate all those guys to be able to play at the same time. That was huge for winning this game. And I just I worry a little bit because if Billy kind of goes back to, whoa, Steven's healthy, so we're going to go ahead and stick to our starting five. Then we're yeah. going to stick to our bench. We're going to play two ball handlers at a time. Like, I, I think we're going to be in trouble. So I really liked what he was able to do, or what Billy was able to do at the end of um, the game. And I hope that he continues that moving forward because my impact player is in a shooter, and I would love to see him continue that moving forward. So um, a couple of others. That we can mention is, like you said, Lou Dort and Shea Gilson-Alexander. I think Shea being aggressive again, especially there towards the um, yeah. end of the first half, which is huge. Yep. But, Justin, talk to me, you know, looking ahead to game four, how are you feeling? And, again, what do the Thunder need to do to make sure they can keep this intensity and, and, and continue the success that they found towards the end of the second half and into well, overtime to win the second game? Yeah, I, for one, would like to see them show up in the first half. Um, <laughs> it seems like every game – they just get punched in the mouth right out of the gate. And if they could come out with the intensity that they had in the second half in overtime tonight to start the game for once, uh, it would just be enjoyable to not dig a hole and have to fight your way out of that deficit to start the game. I think that's a big one. I think continuing to show energy on the offensive end, we can't have the the one person dribbling and four people standing around offense. We need to be high screening. We need to be back cutting. We need to be getting creative and penetrating in order to go at the switching defense that Houston has employed thus far. And then I think we need to see Oklahoma City continue to – be fully locked in on the defensive end. It starts with Lou Dort and the energy that he brings on Harden, but then everybody else has to be locked in. There there were a number of times where Harden was able to kick out for wide-open threes. If we can trust Lou Dort to guard Harden, which based off the last few games it seems like we can, 
then Oklahoma City should be able to rely on Lou Dort to do that, and everybody else can stay home, stay with their guy, don't allow Harden penetrating into the rim to kick out to an open three-point shooter. And I think that would cut down on a lot of the open looks that Houston gets. Yeah, no, I think you're exactly spot on. I think the uh, the only thing, I, only thing that I want to kind of continue on what you said was just that that perimeter defense is critical because when you have guys like Jeff Green and Eric Gordon and even Daniel House and uh, Ben McLemore who are knocking those outside shots, you're not going to win if they're going to continue to throw up those threes and make them like they did. Uh, but one thing that I found uh, really interesting to me in this third game at the Thunder One, the Rockets were only 15 of 50 from three. Now, it's not actually so – that sounds like a crazy number. It actually isn't so far <laughs> off from what they did in game one and game two. Right. It, it, and it's kind of the Daryl Morey, you know – Yep. whatever you want to call it. I mean, if you throw up enough threes, they're going to go in and you're going to outscore your opponents. Now, the Thunder threw up 41 threes. They were 14 yeah. of 41 from three yeah. today, but they ended up outscoring the Rockets from in a from a percentage standpoint from the three-point line. And I think that's that's important. Um, not in the yep. sense of throwing up three-pointers, just to throw up three-pointers. But You're not trying to get in a three-point shootout it, with the Rockets. Because the Thunder are going to, or sorry, the Rockets are going to win. That's what happened yep. the first couple of games. But being able to contest those those shots from guys outside of James Harden, and yeah. to that point, you have to win those those minutes when James Harden is on the bench. And if you're able to do that, like the Thunder were tonight, you're going to win the basketball game, regardless yep. of what it is. Um, so just continue totally. to contend that that uh, that three point line and win those minutes when James Harden's on the bench. And, uh, and and get get our guy loose rest when yes. when Harden is on the bench. So that's right. That was fun, though. Um, I mean, I'm, I like I'm really it. glad that we got to kind of break that down. But we have I some like great it. Twitter questions and some yes, Discord let's questions do it. that we didn't even get to uh, yet. So, Justin. You want to jump into those? Let's do it. Okay. Um, we had a lot. So, we honestly, we don't have enough time to go through all of them. Uh, but thank you, everybody that sent them in. Keep sending them in. We love your questions. Uh, good stuff all around. Let's start with something we've touched on a little bit. Steven Adams uh, at Jeremy Schick asks, should Steven Adams sit regardless of injury? And T rush 21 asks, why is Billy so dependent on Adams playing heavy minutes in a matchup that puts true centers at a disadvantage? We also had another question from <laughs> OKC Donder. I'm, I'm grouping them together. OKC Donder asks, can Adams unlock that next level of physicality to be an impact in this series? So I want your take, Taylor. Is it worth continuing to give Adams big minutes? Do you think he can be physical enough to make a difference? Or is what we've seen so far kind of what we're going to get? Well, so here's the thing. And I alluded to this earlier in the podcast, and you have as well, Justin. But And this maybe is a cop-out answer, so I apologize. But you kind of need a hybrid of both. Um, you cannot win this series if Steven Adams is not playing. And yeah. that's just because of how critical he is, the minutes he's able to play, the things that he's able to do on both offense and defense, his communication on the defensive end. Again, he's a glue guy. We've talked about this for years now uh, in terms of the offense. But when it comes down to some of these critical minutes, like we mentioned earlier, Justin, I would love to see Billy not be so stubborn. And he has yeah. got to be willing to go to a smaller lineup and not play a true center. Nerlens Noel has not worked. I'm not entirely sure that Mike Muscal is going to work either unless he has one of those games like he did <laughs> right. in the bubble where he's hitting yeah. everything, right? And I don't, I, as much as I have enjoyed that, I'm not entirely sure that Muscal is going to be able to do that. So with yeah. all that being said, 
maybe instead of uh, Steven's backup man is going to Nerlens Noel or uh, Mike Pascala, I think you have to go small there. So I kind of like Steven's minutes here. Maybe take off five minutes from what he's been playing these first sure. three games and then go small. So yeah, kind of a hybrid. I think, I think you got to get more out of Steven when he is in. Mm-hmm. It, it was pretty evident late in the game today when Steven's in Houston just sends everybody at him because it seems like when Steven's in, if you can box Steven's out, then you're going to be able to get the rebound. Right. And that's exactly. kind of been Houston's rebounding strategy is just to mob Adams. But when he was out, it seemed like all of a sudden Oklahoma city's rebounding numbers went way up. It seemed like they were getting all the rebounds offensive and defensive. And I think it's because Houston didn't have a guy that they could go mob. They weren't and crashing think, the paint. You're exactly right. They're playing. And I think five Oklahoma out. City's Oklahoma City's other players were crashing the boards a little more aggressively without Steven in there. So if he is going to be in there, I'd like to see the other players support his rebounding a little more. And I'd also like to see Steven uh, be more aggressive and be able to actually make an impact in that regard because there's no reason that the Thunder should be getting out-rebounded when the Rockets' biggest player is P.J. Tucker. And that just, I mean, I, not to just continue to harp on this same topic, but um, something that I kind of want to mention uh, once you kind of transition after um, the Thunder go out in the playoffs, whether that's this series or next series or, shoot, maybe even after they win the championship. Who knows? <laughs> but <laughs> right. once this season is over, one thing I do want to talk about is Steven Adams uh, and his role on this team moving forward mm. because as critical yeah. as he's been, as much as we love Steven – I do worry about him. I mean, again, yeah. that, that guy got banged up again today. And like yeah. how – can you really rely on him when it matters? Is there a such thing as a healthy Stephen Adams? Exactly. <laughs> we get it in short doses. Exactly. But can you rely on him it. when it matters? Exactly. Yeah. So we talked about Adams. Let's talk about Nerlens. We had two questions about Nerlens at Ged Shearer. If Billy moves on from Nerlens at backup five, which he should in his opinion, who gets those minutes, Baisley or Moose? And Ahmed Modafar asks, will Billy learn his lesson and and not not play play Noel? So one, do you think Noel's minutes get reduced or eliminated? And two, if they do get reduced, who fills the space? I mean, again, I just, just because of what we've seen through the first three games, I think Nerlens absolutely gets minutes again. I don't want him to. Um, like I mentioned earlier, <laughs> when those for those backup Stephen Miss, I want to see this team go small, or like you said, maybe even just get it, if if he doesn't feel comfortable, Billy being he, if he doesn't feel comfortable going um, small for that long, maybe throw in Muscala and kind of see what he can do, hmm. um, and then go hopefully small <laughs> for the majority of those backup the, minutes for Stephen. But that's the one like option i don't love at center is gallo i see it get floated a lot but gallo just doesn't seem to fit that five role very well as much as a that's Baisley fair or okay a but talk does. to me about that i think that's really important justin um again like you said we've seen that a lot but i think the important part there is that just like we talked about earlier you get lou dort on the court uh <laughs> you yeah. know dort on the court uh dr <laughs> seuss over here but <laughs> you get dort on the court with the three-point card lineup um, and then yeah. instead you substitute Steven out because and with the Gallo because that's just more offense that has to be contested from Houston. You're kind of playing their own game. But to your point, that does worry me. So I'm, I'm kind of curious to hear you kind of um, elaborate yeah. on that. Well, I think uh, you look at, okay, say Gallo gets matched up on Tucker. Tucker is going to dominate that matchup on one end of the floor. 
maybe both ends of the floor. Gallo is not physical enough to outmuscle Tucker for rebounds. And so I would worry about that to an extent. Not that Baisley or Muscala are like thick boys by any means, but I think they are a little more suited to to bang down low a little bit. Gallo so is Gallo. Much, That's fair. much more perimeter oriented. So I fear that you you would be going smaller and you would definitely be increasing your scoring options but I fear that you would be sacrificing some in terms of, you know, any inside presence at all. And given how versatile Houston is, I worry that that wouldn't work out for Oklahoma City. That's an incredibly fair point. And one thing I just want to mention on Baisley, Justin, like you said, it's just, I mean, he's not super thick by any means no. at this point. And he'll continue to get bigger and stronger. But he just has those long, like, go-go gadget arms, right? They yes. can just extend. And you need to get him on that Giannis diet. Right? No kidding. I mean, that he looks like a baby Giannis back when he was young. And, he don't take us wrong there listeners frame wise <laughs> we aren't saying right. frame exactly wise. exactly but the fact <laughs> he's able to just reach out there out of nowhere and grab those yep. rebounds and moves and he gained strength during this hiatus we're absolutely seeing that and the fact that there was only eight players who played in this game today justin and darius yeah. Baisley, lou dort yep. and sga were those were three of those eight players i think that's incredible um that's phenomenal and something to to take note of for this team moving forward um, so, so I love what you said on that Paisley. note, another question from at C green monkeys asks after this game, how excited are you for the future with SGA Dort and Baisley all getting important playoff minutes like this? So I, you know, I, there's a, for example, in the boomtown hips discord, shout out doc DFS. Um, he yes. would much rather, and, and to his defense, like I'm not calling him out by any means. He just, he has the opposing uh, viewpoint that, He's not as high on Dort as most well, are. And not even that. He doesn't value the fact that these guys are getting these critical playoff minutes and oh, this important yeah, time yeah. where he would just rather have those picks and then you just have, you know, you're able to draft, like, for example, next year, you're able to draft Cade Cunningham. He's just ready to go. Uh, and, I mean, he's going to be much better down the road than a Lou Dort or Darius Baisley. And I agree with that. I, I absolutely see where he's coming from. I think where I disagree with somebody like him there is the fact uh, what C. Green Monkeys. <laughs> That's such great at uh, mentioned <laughs> is that I think it really is critical and and you know you can't put a stat which I think is hard for some of these people you know the the, the analysts yeah. like the Zach Lowe's and the you know all these people um, Sam Vecini's who aren't able to put a stat on the experience that the guys like SGA mm. Lou Dort and Darius Basley are getting now I'm not going to say those three are all going to be all stars by any means right sure I'm not even sure SGA is going to be a you know a number one guy on a uh, on a championship contending team. But what I'm saying is I think it's very invaluable the experience that you guys are getting, especially in a game like today. And so I'm just going to go ahead and leave it at that because I think we'll dive into that more um, in our off-season uh, previews. Yeah, yeah. But Jess, I'm curious to get your, your side of that as well. Yeah, you know, I think it, it is a big deal. I think getting that experience for those guys is super crucial in their development moving forward as long as their development trajectory continues. And I think that's maybe my caveat is, you know, these guys are so young, maybe not SGA, but Dorton Baisley in particular, that they could plateau at any moment sure. and they could top out at any moment. And in, in which case the playoff experience probably isn't that valuable. Like think how many players throughout the last decade for the Thunder got playoff minutes that have disappeared off the face of the earth right? and are barely in the league or not in the league anymore. And so 
it has to go hand in hand with continued development because if those guys continue to be important role players or more for the Thunder, then this playoff experience is going to be super important whenever they're back to contention again, having that versus, you know, somebody who has just lived their career in tanking mode and don't know what it's like to, you know, wrestle away a win in a playoff series like the Thunder did tonight. I think that experience is going to be important so long as they find themselves back there. No, that's a fair point. I think my only counterpoint to that is like seeing a undrafted rookie, a guy with something to prove yes. like Lou Dort coming in and playing that defense against one of the, honestly, maybe the best score in the entire league. Not yeah. the best player, but the best score, offensive no, score. Heart, the, the best, like, one-on-one score in the league. And then, the, you know, going on Twitter, I mean, again, because we live in the, the media, social media day and age, and these young guys are, <laughs> you know, super young. They're they're on social media. If you're Lou Dort and you go on and see, oh, oh hey, I'm, twinning, I'm, I'm trending on Twitter because trending. I just locked down one of the best offensive I mean, scores of our Lou generation. Dort, Lou Dort became a household name tonight. Exactly. I mean, I think he was the kind of like underground name that NBA guys would talk about. But like, I feel like everybody was talking Lou Dort tonight. Don't get me wrong. I, I, like you said, Justin, to your point, I mean, it could be an Andre Robertson situation where the next season he comes out, he's playing okay defense, yeah. but he's such a detriment on offense. It doesn't matter. I just think that experience for guys like Lou, like Shea, even like Baisley, I think is going to pay a lot more dividends moving forward than, for example, like the the draft pick that we gave up for to Philly um, earlier yeah. on this season. So, sorry. Anyways. <laughs> so, on that note of like Dort, the offensive trade-off, it's something Thunder fans are very familiar with in that uh, wing spot and DFS in the discord asked how many missed threes from Dort would it take before you said mm, maybe he shouldn't be in now this is an extremely fair question because I actually tweeted out something very very similar um, in fact Brett Dawson actually DM'd me afterwards because I was like man uh, looks like Dort's having a little too much confidence in this yeah. or, uh, I said something yeah, about right. along the lines like yeah. Dort sure I, I think I said Dort sure has a lot of confidence in that three point shot dot 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 and I think uh, Brett shared that and, and DM'd me and said uh, maybe he has a little too much <laughs> yeah right. and I think that's fair because again, it's kind of like an Andre Robertson situation. You can play elite defense, but if you're not yeah. able to do anything offensively, you become a liability, no matter how great you are on the other end of the floor. Yep. And so I think what's important for Dort is obviously to be able to hit those shots a little better than Andre uh, was able to. And I think we've seen yep. that a little bit with what he was able to do in the bubble. Uh, I think an issue with that is how hard he's playing defensively and how much effort he's putting on the other end of the floor. We all know about tired legs on the offensive end, right? If you have tired yeah, legs right. because you're putting so much work in against one of the best scores of our generation, James Harden, um, you're going to be a little tired on the other end of the floor, and you're not going to have your legs when it comes to your shot. I think we're seeing that a little bit. But yep. to DFS's point, and again, a great point, I think he's got to be more active moving offensively. He's got to be able to cut to the rim and uh, make things happen, even if he's not able to make those shots. Um, but the only thing, counterpoint to that, that I would add is like, keep shooting those shot towards those, those shot door, shots yeah. toward because uh, Andre did not do that right he, yeah, he just quit right. shooting and that became a huge detriment to his team so I would just encourage Dort to continue to shoot those because at a certain point they do have to respect that um, yeah so that's all I, I do think I do think I would like to see him adapt his game to some of the traits that we saw from Dre and even from Ferguson at times in that it's the, the backdoor cuts, uh, the, the moving off of the ball to get easy baskets at the rim and not just be a guy that 
stands out at the perimeter and jacks a three exactly. when the defender sags off of him. Now, the flip side of that, to your point, Taylor, is that the tired legs, he can't constantly be back cutting and putting James Harden in a straight jacket for an entire game because he's going to be exhausted. <laughs> right. But I think being smart about working those in rather than him strictly being a perimeter player, because so far it doesn't necessarily seem like behind the perimeter is where his offensive strengths lie. Well, and to your point, Justin, two things are going to help with that or not two things. Sorry. One thing is going to help with that. And the second thing is something we actually saw that I hope to continue to see. The first of those is Billy just making sure to match Harden's minutes with Dort. Uh, yep. that's still a ton of minutes but if Dort's playing minutes without Harden out there he's going to be I mean just absolutely exhausted right and we're not going to see that on the offensive end now the other point that I have there is that not something it's just something I would like to continue to see happen is him just you know in, in the in overtime he had a critical um, bucket where he actually drove to the rim drew the foul knocked down free throws and that was huge because that's going to point to cause the defender to have to yep. go out and guard you. Um, either that or he's going to sag off you and Gotta expect keep to drive. Right? Exactly. It, it creates for others. So uh, I'd love to see that. Um, now, I know we've gotten a little long here for a post-game podcast. That's only because we will not be doing a full group podcast tomorrow because we'll be turning around on Monday with <laughs> right. another post-game podcast, hopefully another win. So, Justin, yes. do you have uh, any other any other questions that we have that you want to throw out there or how are you feeling? I have one more question that I want to wrap us up with from at Colin S official who asks, does this win put the thunder back in the series? You know, it absolutely does. Um, not in the sense that I like am fully confident they're going to go out in game four and win the game. And it's going to tie it up at two, two. I'm not saying that by any means. I'm still extremely anxious about that. But what I saw today was a team that finally kind of to kind of found a way, like you said earlier, very early on in the podcast, Justin, uh, found a way to kind of dissect this this Houston defense, found their weaknesses, and a team who is finally able to kind of get back to what they do best. And that's what's so critical about this series. So I absolutely think um, that they are back in this series, but I'm not going to go ahead and say, hey, yeah, well, we're going to you know crush crush it in game four. We're going to win that, tied up 2-2. Two, two. Right. I'm still very anxious, but I think this win was critical uh, towards that path. Yeah. It's interesting because it really is the next game on Monday will be uh, as close to a must win as you can get outside of an elimination game. Um, Now, whatever, it's the playoffs. Every game's probably a must win, quote unquote. But I think of the series last year against the Trailblazers where they dropped one and two in Portland came back home for three and looked incredible and blew the trailblazers out. That was the one that we were all at and they did the orange out and they just drummed the blazers. And it was like, okay, like they finally, like they found their groove. They figured out what to do. And then the rest of the series looked a lot closer to the first two games than it ever resembled game three again. So there is still a possibility that, yeah, they made some adjustments and they found a way to squeak out a win. But then game four, Houston has the counter adjustments to absolutely, you know, demolish OKC. At the same time, it could be like the, you know, the Spurs backdoor sweep um, where the adjustments that were made, uh, Houston doesn't have an answer for them. You know, maybe they can't figure out 
how to overcome Oklahoma City's ability to their role players just finally cool off and regress back to the name. I was going to say how frustrating Michael Jordan. Right? How frustrating would it be if the Thunder, or sorry, excuse me, the Rockets end up being the Thunder in the series, and the next series the Rockets against the Lakers. (laughs) Jeff Green's a no show. Eric Gordon's a no show. Yeah, Russ and that's a great point. And Russ and Harden are both just kind of struggling, not getting their shots, and they basically you know they lose five to one. Like yeah, right, yeah. Uh, or four to one. Uh, that's a me. real possibility too. Uh, well, not five to <laughs> one. But yes, five four games. to one's a real possibility. Five to games. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> uh, that, yeah, it's tough. Houston's role players have been awesome. Uh, like you mentioned at the beginning, if you had told me Harden's stat lines through the first three games, I would have told you the Thunder are probably up 3 0. Uh, but their, their secondary guys have done an incredible job to put them in the position that, that they're in. Um, I think we saw some things tonight that give reason for optimism moving forward more than we saw in the first two games, by all means, which looked like we were headed towards a sweep. Uh, But it'll be interesting to see what Houston responds with on Monday and if it's enough to overcome or if Billy can counterpunch. The chess match is just beginning. I I think that's a great point. And uh, just have to keep in mind, like you said, what happens in game four. Uh, what does the Rockets counter with? And so I'm really curious to see that. But with all that being said, I think we covered a lot of ground there. A lot of fun stuff to cover tonight. Um, A lot of anxiety, I think, for Monday's game. (laughs) Yes. So Justin, do you have anything else before we get out of here? Uh, Thanks, everybody, for the questions. Uh, Absolutely. I was blown away by how many questions we got. We really appreciate it. We appreciate you guys interacting with us. The playoffs are so much fun. I wish it could be the playoffs all year long. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, let's hope that the Thunder continue this. I, I hope that Billy, as great of a coach as he's been this season, I hope that he makes the necessary adjustments that we saw in today's game. He kind of applies those to game four. And uh, let's go get another win and tie up this series. I'm excited. Uh, Deal. I really want to take off work Monday. We'll see what happens. <laughs> well guys thank you again for listening to the uncontested postgame podcast again if this is your first time listening be sure to follow us at the underscore uncontested on twitter Uh, follow us on instagram we're on facebook we're just about everywhere also be sure to follow our friends over at boomtown hoops they had a postgame video breakdown that they did post game and uh it was it's really good stuff so be sure to check them out as well um we're very proud to be their official podcast of boomtown hoops as well as a part of the blue wire podcast network so be sure to check out both of those places be sure to check out our sponsors that we mentioned earlier in the podcast and again we uh, will not have a our normal i guess group podcast on sunday because we have this one tonight and then on Monday, we will have another post game for you guys. Hopefully, a Thunder win. And so, hang in there. Continue to be excited. Let's uh, let's roll with this momentum. And until next time, Thunder up. December State playoffs, NBA and NHL are playing for the gold, and our partners at Bet Online have you guys covered. Get in on all the action, including a new NBA bracket contest with plenty of chances to win. The MLB season is pushing into fall, and there's no shortage of ways to bet with hundreds of odds, futures, and props. So take advantage of the return of sports, and remember, the casino never closes. Check it out all day, all night. 
Go to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag, promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.